Friedrich Nietzsche famously said, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. But we're well past that now. What doesn't kill us has the capacity to change who we are, what we believe in, and how we experience the world. It's not just about building our strength. It's also an invitation to get creative. Welcome to What Doesn't Kill Us with Dr. Marion Piper, a podcast with conversations about creativity, post-traumatic growth, and how we make sense of the tough stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Marion Piper, and I'm on a mission to uncover what it means to truly live a creative life. So if you're feeling uninspired, blocked, or just at your wit's end, you've come to the right place. Hello and welcome to episode two of What Doesn't Kill Us with me, your favorite neighborhood, Dr. Marion Piper. (laughs) I just want to start by first thanking everybody who tuned into the first episode. I received so much amazing feedback and people sharing their journeys of where they're at and where they've come from, particularly relating to post-traumatic growth. So first of all, shout out to all of you who are in a healing journey right now. I am right there with you. (laughs) And the last 18 months have been, wow, just what a roller coaster. So uh, what I want to what I want to walk you through today is really the fundamentals of post-traumatic growth, because I think this concept alone can be incredibly powerful when you're aware of it, because it just gives you another option, right? So we don't always have to, I guess, fall down with our traumas. We can choose to navigate it in a different way. And I feel, and in my experience, post-traumatic growth definitely gives us an alternative path to follow, one that is more optimistic, more hopeful, and is really driven by your own desire to live the life that you want and to not let your what you've been through define you. So a few things I'm going to cover today are I want to do a definition of post-traumatic growth because I think that's really important. I'm going to dive into a couple of other researchers who I think have done an incredible job in this realm. The first of which is going to be uh, Stephen Joseph, PhD, who has an incredible book called What Doesn't Kill Us, um, The New Psychology of Post-Traumatic Growth. And I'm also going to talk about, uh, just to touch on a little bit about the work of Gabor Mate, particularly in relationship to his understanding of trauma, because I think the lens that he uses is incredibly valuable. What I'll also cover off other five life areas of post-traumatic growth, which I think are really fascinating. And they're what I've used as a springboard to create my first program, which is called Spiral Up. You can learn more about that on my website, plug, plug. Uh, And then I'm going to finish off the episode with just a couple of things to think about. There's some tips I'll share from Stephen Joseph's book. And then I have a couple of questions to pose to you that you can take away and think about, journal on, muse on, talk about with your friends and family 
just some more food for thought to, to I guess, kickstart you on your own journey. So oh, wherever you are, just ground down, put both feet on the floor, take a nice big inhale and let it all go. Okay, post-traumatic growth. As the name suggests, post-traumatic growth talks about what happens after a traumatic event and rather than it being stress, rather than stress being the predominant thing that happens, growth is the predominant thing that happens. And what I love so much about this term, which I mentioned a little bit in the first episode, was that it's really about looking at trauma from the lens of growth and positivity as opposed to stress and yeah, that real downward spiral. So um, it's a concept that I have fallen more and more in love with as the years have gone by and particularly in the last year. And just for context, uh, I have spent the last 18 months living alone in Melbourne, Australia, we're living through, I guess, the some of the world's harshest lockdown measures to um, counteract this panini <laughs> pan- pandemic. Shh, don't say that word. Um, and I have had to call on all of my tools, everything I've learnt over the years from both my lived experience and my research and my life as an as an artist and a writer. So I want to start this episode by saying that this isn't easy. This journey of post-traumatic growth, it does require intention and reflection and being really deliberate about how you how you look at what you've been through. Now, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm going to say this right off the bat, that if you are in a situation where you have are having nightmares, repetitive thoughts, and you are experiencing an incredible amount of stress, I want you to go and get help. Because um, while post-traumatic stress can be the engine for post-traumatic growth, we do have to get ourselves to a point where we are safe enough in our own skin to be able to go on this journey. So that's how I, I, you know, I really want to encourage you to be honest with yourself about where you're at. And just know that this path will be available to you when you are ready. So first of all, and I just I just hinted at it there um, in his book, What Doesn't Kill Us, The New Psychology of Post-Traumatic Growth, a book that I love and is a bit of a Bible for me. Um, Stephen Joseph talks about how, I mean, his, his work is incredible. He's done some amazing research and studies and aggregated a lot of information into this book. So if you are interested in learning more about post-traumatic growth, I definitely recommend picking it up and I will pop it in the show notes. But he talks about how post-traumatic stress can be the engine for post-traumatic growth. And I want to read something to you from his book that I thought was really profound. So on page 171, he says, post-traumatic growth does not imply the absence of emotional distress and difficulties in living. Indeed, such difficulties are common among people who have suffered trauma or adversity in their lives. What this term does imply is that it is possible through the struggle with adversity to come out on the other side, sometimes stronger and more philosophical about life. Quite simply, life shapes us. Or, more accurately, 
what we do with life through what we do with what life throws at us shapes us. And I think that's what's really important about this topic is that and particularly um, particularly about trauma and I'll throw over to Gabor Mate here who um, his definition of trauma really talks about trauma as not something um, not not what happens to you it's what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you and he really leans on um, looking at the etymology of the word trauma so trauma um, being coming from the um, the Greek word for wound uh, and so he talks about trauma as a psychic wound that hardens you psychologically and then interferes with your ability to grow and develop. It pains you and now you're acting out of pain. And so when we look at the term post-traumatic growth, there's kind of three parts to it here. We have the trauma in the middle, which is I've just given you a, a bit of a definition there. Um, we have the growth and then we also have the first part of the word, which is post. So it's, uh, it's growth after the trauma. So that's another key part of this concept that I just love is that it focuses on what happens after the trauma, not the trauma itself. And so um, key to understanding this particular term, post-traumatic growth or PTG for short, is that it often presents itself in five particular ways, which have been called the five domains or five life areas of post-traumatic growth, which are um, if somebody has post-traumatic growth, they tend to show an appreciation of life. They experience a deepening of their relationships or their ability to relate to other people, a greater sense of personal strength, a recognition of new possibilities in life, and then some kind of spiritual change. Now, I also want to point out, and this is something that I think is really relevant for where we are, particularly if you are in a city or a state that is still in lockdown or is being really affected by what's happening in the world, you know, no matter what that kind of traumatic event is. But it's nearly impossible to evolve in the middle of a crisis. Um, but reflecting on it afterwards can provide or create the fertile soil for growth. So if you are in a situation, if you are still in the trauma, if, you, if the event is still unfolding, the focus really needs to be on coping. And I'm going to go into this in, in a future episode about um, the idea of uh, creative coping, which is something that I'm really passionate about, about how I use creativity as a tool to grow. But I was talking about this with a friend the other day saying how how hard it is at the moment being in lockdown, experiencing an incredible amount of fatigue, how we're trying to, to focus and knock things off our to-do list and get things done. But what we sort of realized is that we're still in the traumatic event. We're not out of the woods yet, so to speak. So... At the moment, my priorities are very different to when they, what they would be if I were not experiencing these lockdowns and this pandemic. Uh, so it's partially about coping. It's also about surviving and doing what you need to do to keep yourself safe. So I just want you to reflect on 
um, right now and think, you know, you know, am I safe? Am I in a place where I can entertain the idea of growth right now? Because it is that my approach to growth and what the research suggests around post-traumatic growth is that it is a very intentional process and something that is self-initiated and is not something that I can do for you. So, um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with not being ready or not even knowing how to start. Uh, It's all part of that journey and the healing journey itself is not linear. It is very much a, something that expands and contracts over time as the rest of your life continues on and and you have new experiences. So um, one thing as well that I really want to encourage you to do is start to really own your lived experience. I talk about this a lot with one of my clients um, that I've been working with for the last six months, One Good Day. They are an NDIS um, certified and funded Uh, business, working with people who have psychosocial disabilities or have suffered um, severe mental health conditions. And they really, um, all of their recovery coaches, uh, which is what they offer, uh, they walk alongside people to help help them get the support that they need and connect to the services in their local area. But one thing that they always talk about is the power of lived experience and how it can really shape the work that you do in the world. And, um, and it's definitely something to be celebrated and owned and used as a gift rather than as something to, to oppress or forget about, or just say, Oh, that happened in the past. It doesn't matter anymore. So I just wanted to plant that seed for you right now. So I'm going to take you back now to the late nineties on the Gold Coast in Queensland I'm talking surface paradise in the 90s, sun, surf, sand, good times. (laughs) And this is where I grew up. And my mom, I live with my mom and she was always so gregarious. And I have so many deep memories of her singing with me and laughing and making jokes and you know, being, being a mum, right. But then I also have this shadow, I have these shadow memories of her and of, and of what I had to do to take care of her from a really, really young age. I'm talking like six and seven years old because she suffered uh, alcoholism. She had so many demons and also that side of my family. Um, a lot of, a lot of my family members have passed away from alcoholism. So it's something that I think, Um, has shaped me in ways that I'm really only starting to discover now as an adult. Uh, And so I want to share, I'm sharing this with you because there are, there's a whole journey that goes into post-traumatic growth that, that you have to honor and that you have to work through and live through before you're able to actually start moving forward. And I'm going to give you a really good example of this. So when I was growing up with mum, the the focus for us was always survival. She worked in aged care, which was just around the corner from where we lived. And she always worked, I think, from about midday to 9 or 10 p.m. So and she would sleep in. So I we actually wouldn't see each other really until the weekends. And this was when I was, yeah, from the ages of about six or seven to 10. And 
um, because I was in it and living it and working through it, I didn't quite understand what was going on, but I knew it wasn't what was what I wanted or was a situation that was going to make me feel safe moving forward. And I knew I would have less opportunities if I stayed there. And so when I was 10, I, and this is kind of hard to admit, but um, I tried to take my own life um, and I was unsuccessful, which I'm really, really, really grateful for now. Uh, But I called my dad and I said to him that if he didn't come and get me now, I was just going to leave and I was never going to come back. Can you, can you imagine that? And, and I can't even, telling you this now, it doesn't even feel real because I cannot imagine what was going through my 10-year-old brain at that point. And I think it was really about survival. I knew I had enough knowledge of the world and had been exposed to so much that I knew even at that really young tender age that if I stayed in that situation, I wasn't going to make it. And... That was really the turning point, the pivotal point for my life and for my growth and for the person that is sitting here with you today um, in your ear telling you these stories. But it wasn't until I was about 16, 16 and a half, 17, that the journey, what I believe my journey of post-traumatic growth really started because that's when I began to reflect on it really deeply in my journaling practice. And I've kept all these journals and I actually use them as the primary data in my PhD research. I um, excavated them looking for evidence of, you know, did I appreciate life? Were my relationships deeper? Uh, Did I know how strong I was? Did Did I have hope for the future? And what was the kind of spiritual bent to my life then? And I was so shocked by what I found. And one of the key things that that really became obvious to me was that it was the daily engagement with creativity and the creative process is that that's what really made all the difference. It wasn't the big things that I did, like, you know, speaking to a therapist or, um, spending time away with my family. It was the the daily habit. So turning creativity into a daily habit, almost acting like a life raft is what allowed me to cope. But the reason I bring up this story was is kind of twofold. Is one, I, I always want to share with you from a place of raw authenticity, what I've seen and what I've been through, because again, I value lived experience so much. And then two, I couldn't evolve while I was living in the trauma. It wasn't until I had some time and some space away from it to realize what had actually happened and start to process it in a way um, that was healthier and a way where I could actually start to look for the gifts in the experience. And because this, what I went through as a kid was so profound, it wasn't until my PhD uh, in, I started that at the end of 2012, finished it up in 2017. It wasn't until that block of time where I actually could from a more, more, I, I don't want to say unbiased, but from a much more removed place that I could start to, to look at what that journey actually was and to recognize it for what it was, which was this journey of post-traumatic growth. 
Now, growth looks different for everybody. It feels different. It sounds different. Same with trauma. And another definition of trauma that I want to share with you um, is one that I that I really uh, that I think can help perhaps frame things. If you're sitting there listening to this, thinking, "Oh, I've had a really cruisy life. I had a very picturesque childhood. Everything was, you know, peachy keen." Um, another definition. Um, oh, and you might also be asking, like, "Well, I don't think I've ever experienced anything traumatic. So, how can I possibly experience post-traumatic growth?" Um, Well, growth isn't just limited to trauma as well. The good things that happen in life can also allow us to grow. And so I want to share with you another definition of trauma where it talks about uh, big T trauma versus little t trauma. And our big T trauma are the things that happen in life, typically quite dramatic events that utterly shatter our world. So you might not be able to function Everything might have changed. The, the, you might even think of it kind of like an earthquake. So the ground beneath your feet has fallen away. These are our really big, deep, uh, defining moments that often change the trajectory of our lives. Now, on the flip side, we also have small T traumas. Now, these are the traumas that are very personal to you. And um, while they are, they might cause you some stress or some discomfort, they don't necessarily derail you, but they are still quite stressful. So this could be, these could be things like you don't get that promotion at work, you uh, lose your job, you, um, you know, have a, a, experience a major injury, but not a life-threatening one. A friendship breaks down, you know. Our little T traumas are the smaller challenges that we face or the setbacks that we face. Um, And one thing that I think is really interesting is that over time, a number of small T traumas can actually um, add up or compound to give us a big T trauma. And that often comes in the form of uh, a complete you do a complete 180 on your life. And you know, I've done this myself. I've had friends who've done this, you know, you break up with the boyfriend or girlfriend or partner, you quit the job, you move cities, you just, you cut the tree, the tree trunk off at the, at the, at the base, you know, you just want to, you start everything. If you want to start everything again, you throw it all in the bin. So even though you may not have experienced a big T trauma, chances are every, everyone has experienced small T and um, you can still adopt a lot of the principles and practices of post-traumatic growth if you have experienced the small T traumas. Now, this is a bit of a spoiler alert. If you're sitting there and still thinking, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, I sail through life, you know, unfortunately, Trauma and adversity is a given. It is 100% something we're all going to experience at different levels, at different times, um, and in different exposure amounts. So, um, and it's okay. It's so normal. Experiencing adversity and challenges, it is so normal. Um, But what I love about post-traumatic growth is it, it gives us the option. It gives you the option that once you've experienced the event, 
you've started processing the emotions. And in his book, Stephen Joseph says that typically most traumatic events, the aftermath is about a month. Um, and then that month is pretty crucial into what happens next. So if somebody is going to develop PTSD symptoms, it usually happens after that month. Uh, and that's when the feelings start to intensify. But for most people who have experienced something and they've living in the aftermath of it, um, over, over, over that time, about, about a month is when the feelings start to lessen in intensity and life starts to become kind of normal again. Um, but this is not saying that you don't still think about it or you don't still experience grief from it, but it's saying that initial burst of intensity is typically, typically wears off around a month. Now to round out our episode and, and our time together today, I just want to share with you three messages from Stephen Joseph's book that I, I just think are so important and regardless of whether or not you're experiencing something, experiencing adversity right now, or maybe you're on the other side, um, or you've experienced in the past, I think we all need to hear these messages right now. And I am saying these for myself in lockdown, just as much as I'm saying them for you. So the first one is you are not on your own. Uh, We have a tendency when we're going through something difficult to think that we're alone and that this doesn't happen to anybody else. And, you know, and it's just so isolating in our experience. But um, even though every trauma and every adversity is different, they all have the same thing in common, which is the trauma itself. Uh, And it's a really um, fundamental thing to understand. The very first thing to understand when something bad happens is that you are not alone. You are surrounded by people who when, asked, who, when asked, are going to be at the ready to help you. Uh, and um, it's okay to seek that help. It's okay to reach out and to ask for that. And um, if, you, if you, like me, struggle to ask for help um, because you're fiercely independent, maybe you've been brought up to um, take it on the chin and do it all your own, do it all on your own, one of the easiest ways to ask for help is just to share your story Call up a friend or a family member and say, hey, can I just tell you what I've just, can I just tell you about this thing that just happened because I'm I'm trying to process it and I would really value your perspective. So when we ask for help, it doesn't have to be this huge cry for someone to swoop in and coddle us. It can be as simple as sharing our story. And what you might find is that when you share your story with other people, it also gives them permission to do the same thing. And that actually fosters the connection that we so crave when we've been going through a tough time. Another thing to understand, which I just mentioned before, was that trauma is a normal and natural process. It can be, it can feel super frightening and confusing. Um, You might be under an incredible amount of stress. Uh, You know, you might feel like you want to withdraw and detach uh, you might feel anxious or depressed, you know, it's so normal to feel all of these feelings and a bunch of others I haven't even listed when shit goes down. <laughs> um, you know, and, and part of the healing process is to feel all these feelings is to really sit in the seat 
of your body and allow those emotions to pass through you because emotions, they're energy in motion and they're designed to move. They want to move through you. And when we block them and when we push them down, that's when that's when things get even scarier and they build up and then they explode. So whatever you're feeling, whether that's anger, shame, grief, sorrow, all of them are valid. All of them are valid. And part of also the journey is that these feelings might come up again. And that's okay too. Um, paying attention to how it feels in your body. And if you have a, a somatic practice, like if you do yoga or um, meditation, anything that you can do to pause and just let the, the, the emotions move through you, uh, it will also help lessen their intensity. And the third message from old mate Stephen, jo- Stephen Joseph is uh, growth is a journey. Um, it's not a process. It's, you know, I have talked about it as a process, but if you think about it as a journey, um, you can think about it in terms of steps. And it might, each step might feel painful, but if you put one foot after the other, you will start to move forward. And... You know, despite all the stuff that you experience, um, I want you to give yourself a break, you know, going through adversity, experiencing trauma. This is the big stuff. It's, it's the stuff that makes us. It's the stuff that can break us. But that's not the way that we talk about it here. The, the gift in trauma is is its ability to shape us. And and we are actually, as I mentioned at the start, it's our ability, um, it's what we do with with that trauma uh, afterwards that has the ability to shape us in ways beyond our own measure. And so, you know, part of that journey as well is trying to remove as many expectations from yourself as possible, particularly around time. Everybody's healing journey is different. Everybody's journey of growth is different. And this is why um, when I was, when I've been thinking about this, I've thought to myself, what does my growth journey feel like? And it very much feels like that upward spiral, which is why I named my program Spiral Up. And I, I want you to imagine an upward spiral. It doesn't jump all over the place. It doesn't go from start to finish. It's that s- slow, steady, incremental climb. And depending on how much energy you have, what's happening in your life, what responsibilities you have, that spiral might be really tight like a spring and you might zip all the way up it really quickly. Or it might be really, really wide like a tornado. And it might be something that might feel like you're spinning at hyper speed all the way through it, but actually, it's this slow incremental um, climb that also you may feel like you're spinning in circles for a while, but trust me, one foot after the other and you will be climbing that spiral um, in ways that maybe are more subtle and intangible than actually having um, showing up in, in a tangible way in your life. So, whew. I've covered a lot in this last half hour. Thank you for being with me here and for allowing me to share 
bits and pieces of my story, which I will be sharing more of as we as the weeks go on. I want to leave you with a couple of questions uh, to maybe start you on a journey of post-traumatic growth, if that's where you're at. Um, but if you're not, that's perfectly fine too. Uh, it's always great to, to have you here and to be in your ears. <laughs> but I want you to really think about um, how you cope. What are the things that do you do when, when maybe you're not feeling so great or you get some bad news? I just want you to pay attention to and maybe make a note of the different tools, strategies and things that you do to cope. Um, for example, when I'm really, really tired, uh, I can sometimes try to cope by having caffeine. I'll be like, yeah, let's have an espresso. That's not necessarily the best thing for me. Probably what I need to do is actually have a nap. So if we can start to bring a little bit of awareness to how we cope when things happen, and especially when it's pertaining to our emotions, we can have a little bit more choice and um, increase our self-awareness around uh, what are, what are our automatic coping mechanisms and how we can shift those to be um, healthier and more conducive to our growth. The second question I want to ask you is, are you optimistic or pessimistic? Now, optimism, it gets a really like bad rap often. Um, and that's because a lot of people use it for things like spiritual bypassing and they it's because they don't want to deal with the hard things in life. But uh, what I love about optimism is that it, in a similar way to post-traumatic growth, optimism doesn't discount that bad things happen, but it's a choice. It's a choice to look forward and say, even though things might be awful right now, I know a better day is coming. So the reason I ask you this is that um, there has been a little bit of research done into the post-traumatic growth personality. Are there particular character traits that define someone who's more likely to experience post-traumatic growth? One of which is that they are optimistic. So are you a glass half, glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person? Do you, when somebody gives you a compliment, do you tend to accept it and say, oh, thank you. Yes, I've been working really hard on that. Or do you tend to say, oh, no, I'm, no, I'm awful. No, I'm awful. I'm trash, whatever, you know? So uh, have a think about that. Think about your coping strategies. Think about your, your perspective on life. These are the things that are going to make all the difference when it comes to post-traumatic growth. So thank you so much for tuning in. I still have so much more to share. I've got a few guest speakers who are going to pop onto the podcast um, that I can't wait to introduce you to coming up in the next few months. And if you liked this podcast, if you found this episode valuable, please share share it with someone, share it with a friend. Uh, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. See you later.